one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another uh, podcast and Facebook uh, teaching. We're visiting again, understanding Acts chapter 2, and we're trying to address some inaccurate understanding concerning the messaging of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we're going to do part 7. We're going to begin with using Acts 2 and 22 to start the process. A lot of great information here. Now, I hope you'll stick with me because in the coming sessions, whether it is tonight or later, I'm going to show you how there was a transmission of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you how it came at the command of God. I'm going to show you how it went to nations and peoples. So in so doing, I'm giving you the answers to whether the Holy Spirit came to a point of conclusion where he was no longer being used in that capacity. I'm going to show you this. How it came to be not only in the Gentile nation, how it came at the command of God to be in the Gentile nation, how it went from the Jew to the Gentile, how it went to all nations by command of God, and how it went to all people. I'm going to show you that as we get through. And it's going to take me probably a couple more sessions, at least two, this one and another, to get all of that done. And then I really won't conclude everything that can be said about this, but uh, this session on the Holy Spirit and understanding Acts chapter 2 seems to be uh, identified as a... uh, Very interesting message and is being downloaded a lot. So I want to make sure that I teach and mine this out so that everybody can get it and understand it. Now, possibly by getting it and understanding it, we will stop with all the the conversation, almost delusion, concerning the operation of the Holy Spirit in the church. It's all in the book. We just have to mine it out. Father, I pray that you'll bless us tonight, that you'll open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak now. Show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate by the Holy Spirit. We'll receive it and reveal it to your people. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Um, I want to welcome everybody into our podcast and into Facebook and YouTube. And I want to tell you on YouTube that we will be coming under a new channel. It will be Mike Springston Ministries FFC. It'll be coming up in March, and you'll want to seek that channel out because we're going to to, uh, begin to put uh, our Facebook 
uh, on there, as well as our podcast and all of our teachings on that new channel. So we want to welcome you into that. We want to remind you that you contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Don't forget my book, I Surrender, available on Amazon and in your local bookstore. Look with me now into Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Paul Peter says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. So in their hearing, just how had he been approved by God? Well, the cherubim worshipped the wonderful works of God that Peter describes. The 120 were being exposed to his glory. They spoke in tongues to express the inward evidence of the things that Jesus had promised them. Surely, he would not leave them comfortless. That was his promise in John 14. I will come to you. That was his promise. Certainly, he would come to them, and without a doubt, if they obeyed, he would manifest himself to them. Now can we trace exactly how the Holy Spirit came? Can we? Of course we can. We already have. We can also trace what he did, and we now know exactly how he did it. But what else do we know? We also now know that this action, as it was delivered, was delivered to Israel. Now, right here, somebody is going to say, See, I told you this was not for us. Well, just follow along. In Ezekiel 9.20, they stood and looked up at the glory of the God of Israel who was above them. I'm going to show you how God transferred this and the first time he spoke of that transfer coming up soon. The important and impactful moment was for an express purpose. What was it? So that Israel could be reconciled to the person of Jesus Christ. So that they could come to grips with him as the man who was approved by God. Then come to understand where he was seated with respect to him being positioned in the Godhead and seated at the right hand of majesty. This led Peter to tell them that they must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. Now we know that this was spoken directly to Israel, and that this baptism in the name of Jesus was spoken with regard to Israel. Then, Once done, they would enter into his glory of which they had seen stand over Israel. And that glory was given into the 120. And it's going to be glorious what the 120 did with it. Now with this understanding, what have we come to know? Well, we've come to know that the day of Pentecost, how the day of Pentecost was to happen. When we read the events in Acts chapter 2, we now know that in fact, that day of Pentecost that was prophesied in Ezekiel 10 and Joel actually did happen. We know 
from where the noise came, what it was those in the east gate that gathered and heard that noise, where it came from. We know from where and from whom the fire came. We know how the voice was produced from the content of the cherubim. We also now know how come the voice was heard in their natural ear. We also know how Peter could now stand and preach a message that was also heard in their natural ear. All of that is absolutely great, but the main idea is yet to be obtained. What happened on the day of Pentecost was done for the Jews. It was done not for the purpose of those in the upper room, although those in the upper room would uh, use it and minister from it and be a witness unto them. It was done for the Jews. It was done for those who gathered in Jerusalem who were doing abominable things during the Feast of Pentecost. Was there a relationship to the apostles and those disciples in the upper room? Of course there was. Luke tells us that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So the reason for the ministry of the Holy Spirit was to be able to command. Now I want you to get that word here because that word is going to come up again and it's going to be very interesting when you hear it again. Command, I want you to hear that. That he uh, in which he was taken up, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments under the apostles whom he had chosen. So he continued to communicate with the disciples through the Holy Spirit, giving them commandments. To them, it was the means by which they would complete the work that he began to both do and to teach. They would be witnesses unto him, and they would be endued with a power to do so. Right about now you're saying, I can buy that, because you've just told us that the ministry is to and for the Jews. So even if we were wrong and our doctrine, our reasons for our doctrine was wrong. We as Gentiles don't have to deal with this thing concerning the Holy Spirit. And that would be a narrative. And it is one that's been attempted to be used for the purpose of elimination of this ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Christian walk. There is a doctrine that says that this endowment ended with the death of the last Apostle. Well, I'm going to show you from the Word of God why and how that isn't true. Hi, Joey and Michelle. The assumption is that as the last apostle died, the Jews no longer were in need of the reason that this day occurred. So they concluded that the Jews no longer need to correctly determine the positioning of Jesus Christ. Now, if that were true, every Jew that has ever been born has absolutely no means to ever be legitimately a Jew. Why? Because they have no means to ever see their Messiah. They have no means to ever identify where he is. Along with that, no Jew has the opportunity to ever be saved. Why? Because the means for salvation has ceased. If we ascribe to the fact that the Holy Ghost concluded his ministry 
with the apostles, which I will prove to you in Scripture that he didn't. Remember that word, commandments. As you can see, this provides more global problems than localized answers. So we must conclude that the doctrines of cessation are an error. God has not forgotten His chosen people. The Messiah has been approved by God. They require the means that, that are described in His approval. Peter preached it beautifully. So where and how do the Gentiles play into the idea of being engaged with Jesus? Did Jesus ever say anything about the ministry to the Gentile other than I'm not here to minister to you right now? As I wrote earlier, the Gentiles did have interactions with Jesus, but not many. He did what he did with them right in front of them so that they could see that the idol worshipers would come and believe. Then through faith, they could have their requests answered. But Jesus told us that the Gentiles would be brought into the sheepfold. If you read John 10, 16, he said, And other sheep I have. He's talking here to the Jews. Now I'm going to do a study on John 10 concerning the correct understanding of what it means to say, and Jesus said, no, no one will ever pluck you out of my hand. I'm going to show you that in a whole nother study. You don't want to miss that because that's been used in the Christian society to back the um, messaging, the doctrine of once in grace, always in grace. So Jesus told him, and the other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So he is in telling the Jews, the Gentiles are coming. So the Gentiles are on their way to becoming members of the sheepfold. They would also hear the voice of Jesus. In other words, they would experience the leadership, the guiding, the words, and have the opportunity to be shown things that are to come. Exactly what Jesus promised the Jews, he was saying the Gentiles are coming into that same promise. There was a place at a time for them to be exposed to the things that Peter unfolds for the Jews in Acts chapter 2. When these things are revealed, they'll have the same experience that the Jew had on the day of Pentecost. Let's look. There was a man that was set forth for this exact reason. His name was Paul. That story we find in Acts 13, how the Jews became involved. Look at verse 46. And then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first be spoken to you. He's speaking to some Jews here. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to, of, the, of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout the region. 
Paul now sets his ministry directly on course to minister to specifically to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were notorious idol worshipers. Paul would have to completely address them in a way that was totally different than the messaging that had been given to the Jews. They would have to be disassembled, if you will, and reassembled. For this purpose, Paul wrote the words in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. He said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Hi, David. With this we come into a new understanding of how the Holy Spirit was to work among the Gentiles. As we do that, we must first now expose how the operation of the Holy Spirit went into the Gentile nation in the first place. Here we're going to see some revelation that is going to be in the details that are going to have to change everything we think about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Let's look, Acts 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the man called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. In this prayer, a Gentile is praying and God heard his voice and gave him specific instruction that included the Jewish apostle named Peter, who had preached on the day of Pentecost and defined and described in great detail what God had done in the upper room. Now, why Peter? Peter was not the one who was to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And that, in fact, is true. But Paul had just been saved because this is happening in, in uh, Acts chapter 10. Paul has just been saved and filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 9. So a transfer of operations is about to take place. That transfer of operations is going to set the stage for Paul's ministry as we saw him come into that ministry in Acts 13. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray upon the sixth hour, about the sixth hour, and he became, became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and, a, and certain vessels descending upon him as it had been a great sheet knitted four corners and let down to the earth. Notice that. Knit at four corners and let down to the earth. That meant that the north, the south, the east, and the west were all covered in Peter's dream, Peter's trance, if you will. As God lowered this knitting sheet that covered the entire world. Think about it now. Wherein 
were all manners of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and fowls of the air. There came a voice to Peter, and it said, Rise, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again a second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou uncommon. This was done three times. And then the vessel, the sheet, was received up into heaven. Peter is seeing a vision that is instructing him to do something that was forbidden, which was to eat of unclean things under the dietary law of the old covenant. So he, going into this trance, tells this vision, no, absolutely not. The voice told him, what God has cleansed, you will not call unclean. Well, who was he referring to, of course? We know these cleansed ones were to be the Gentiles. Now, when Peter doubted in himself what this vision uh, which, which he had seen should mean, behold, the men who came from Cornelius made inquiries for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now, Peter was wondering, why have I seen this? And at the same time, the contingent of people from Cornelius' house that God sent to get him were seeking him. And they called and asked whether Peter, which was Sir Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Again, now in real time, Peter's beginning to receive instructions, and this is big. First, he was praying and fell into a spiritual condition, but the second time he's operating under a spiritual directive that is in that moment. What is the importance of this? Well, it's pretty important because it's from this portal of spiritual activity that the Holy Spirit would operate in his followers on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Peter experienced this, experienced this on the day of Pentecost. He experienced it at the gate of the temple in Acts 3. This again happened in Acts 4 when they were detained and asked to explain themselves to the captain of the temple and Annas, the high priest in Jerusalem. This had been done with respect to other activities for Peter as well, but now it was in action and in reference to the dealing of the commandments of God with the Gentiles. The beginning of this transfer is on its way. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye come? They said, Cornelius the centurion, who is a just man, and one that feareth God, and have a good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee to his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went with them, and certain brethren from Joppa, Joppa accompanied them. And the morrow after they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and he had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. 
But Peter, now notice now, see, this man had no frame of reference concerning worship. He had no frame of reference other than he was a just man who knew there was a God, but he was living among people that were idolaters. And Peter then took him up and said, Stand up, because I'm just a man just like you. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know it is unlawful for for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come one to another to another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent forth. I asked therefore, Why have you sent for me? Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, the prayer of thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, Thou hast done well that thou art come now. Therefore, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. That's a key scripture. That's a detail. You are coming to tell us what God has commanded you to share with us. Cornelius was there with his crowd to hear concerning everything that God had commanded for Peter to tell them that was given to him to give to them of God. He came on a divine commandment doing what Acts 1 and 2 said he would do. And Cornelius said, watch it now, we're here to hear before God all the things that are commanded of thee of God. Well, there it is, folks. We've just debunked the mystery of the secession of the Holy Spirit as it relates to the death of the apostles. Because they were waiting to hear what had been commanded them to be given to them by Peter. They were there waiting to hear now unto him after that he had gone away. He, through the Holy Spirit, gave commandments unto the apostles. So they had, he had come with a commandment from God that had been given to him to give to them. Well, it's clear that Cornelius had been instructed by the angels of God to send for Peter. It's clear that Cornelius expected to hear something from the message of Peter. It's further clear that what Cornelius expected to hear was the command of God of which Peter was given by God to give to them. Now what are we going to see as we continue in this scripture? We're going to find out what Peter said what became of the message that Peter spoke. In it, we're going to locate 
what the nature of the commands of which Peter spoke were and how they related to the ones present in the house of Cornelius. My friend, this is awesome stuff. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. The commandment that God has given me is of such a depth that I now understand that God is not a respecter of persons. Why does he say this? Because there is by his law no means to include the Gentile, but by the command of God that has been spoken to him, to him, and is to be given through him, all of a sudden the Gentiles were going to be included in the entirety of the work that was given to the apostles. Wow. Now watch verse 35. But in every nation, first we find him speaking a commandment. And that commandment now has exceeded the Jewish nation because it now is going into all four corners of the earth. What was the message? What was the mechanism? What was the witness? The Holy Ghost. In every nation, him that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now again, watch this. The language here becomes the detail. And the detail is what's important to settle the argument concerning the transmission of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We know it was to the Jews. We know it was for the Jews. But when Cornelius came into the picture and the commandment was transferred to all nations as a commandment of God, something has changed. Peter was to give what God commanded. Cornelius and those presents were waiting to hear the commandment of God that Peter would give them. Peter then reveals the revelation that's been given to him by Jesus in Acts 1 and 8. In every nation now that feareth him, the command that Peter is about to speak of which he has been given by God to speak to Cornelius and those present is not just a command that was to pertain to the Jews or just to Cornelius' house. It was a command that was to pertain to the nations. Wow. It was a command to every nation and every people that would fear God. He that reverences him, that's what fear means, honors him, worships him, praises him. He that worketh righteousness. Well, now we know that righteousness is the key criteria to become a citizen of the kingdom of his dear son. So putting this together, we can identify to who the command that Peter speaks to them that is given directly to him by God is in reference to. It's in reference to the nations, to all people. Cornelius and those present were going to be brought into this criteria this citizenship, this new kingdom, by the message that Peter was bringing to them by the command of God. Notice, 
that the nation of the Gentiles are going to be engaged with the work of righteousness. Peter identifies that God is no respecter of persons. So the entire nations, the four corners of the world, are all going to be brought under this command of righteousness. He that fears God can do the things that pertain to righteousness. They're about to change their designation from being designated where they are as a living member of that community to be changed into a citizen of a new kingdom. What a glorious moment. So the Gentiles at Cornelius' house are about to be transferred into a place that only righteousness can provide for them. Now what is that place? Look at Matthew 6.31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Why? Because they don't know any better. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but a change, a transfer was coming. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Gentiles had come and were coming a very long way with this encounter. They went from seeking material things as Jesus spoke in Matthew 6, worshiping man-made things to coming into a place where they were placing their entire trust, building their belief system in a father that knows. He knows just what you need. He knows where you are. And he proved it as he dealt with Cornelius. What a great idea. What is it that you need from the father? He knows what it is that is important. Is it more important than your thoughts, what you eat, what you drink, or what you wear? Well, absolutely, because whenever he sent to Cornelius' house and opened up the avenue to the world for the Gentiles, that statement about the Gentiles changed because there they could seek now a new kingdom and be a citizen of a new kingdom. And righteousness was the mechanism to enter it. You need to be a member of a kingdom, my friends. The only way into that kingdom is through righteousness. You can't come in the other, any other way. You have to come in Christ, and he is your righteousness. There is no way out of darkness that will not include righteousness. If you include righteousness, you'll come into the kingdom of his dear son. You'll have to do so by the elimination of fleshly desires, what you eat, drink, and wear. And you have to come clothed in righteousness that only Jesus Christ can provide for you. This is the outcome that has to come only from righteousness. And if you do, then you become accepted with Him. Notice that language, with Him, not by Him, you are accepted as a member of the kingdom that belongs to his dear son with him. In that kingdom, there is more to come for your ability to reign in this life. There's more to do, more to say, more details to give. But I want to tell you, I've shown you about commands, haven't I? How that command came into the Gentiles. I've shown you how the command was to the nations. There's more detail to come. You don't want to miss part eight.
of this study on Acts chapter 2. God, bless and minister your word. We will give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. All of my Facebook friends, may God bless you. My podcast friends, those on YouTube and Lift Him Higher Radio, may God richly bless you. There is more detail to come that is going to open up your understanding that God did not stop this move with anybody. He didn't stop it with the apostles. He didn't stop it at any point. He continued the move of the Holy Ghost. And we're seeing it unfold in Acts chapter 10. May God richly bless you, my friends. Podcast friends, God bless you until we have the opportunity to meet again. Find Him as Lord. There you'll find Him as the one who will allow you to bow and mediate the new covenant. Find Him as the man in the Godhead, and from there you're going to find Him as the one who shows you great things to come. God bless you.